It's back to class on Blabbit in the Bluegrass with yet another exceptional educator spotlight. And this time, our attention is focused on Mrs. Donna Jo Bug, a counselor from Spotsville Elementary School in Henderson County, and she has quite an extensive resume. I gotta tell you, from elementary school to high school, traditional instruction to counseling, she has darn near done it all. And she's got a wealth of experience to speak from. She's going to talk about her classroom experience, her counseling experience. She's going to compare and contrast the two and, of course, offer useful advice for those aspiring to follow in her footsteps. So strap yourself in for Episode 6 of Season 5 and make sure you sit Indian style on the floor. Nah, I'm kidding. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Stanford to Stanton, Stanley to Stamping Grounds, absolutely nobody blankets the bluegrass quite to the extent that we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here inside the luxury suite at the fabulous five-star North Quell Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. And if you've been with me for an extended period of time, if you haven't, welcome aboard. But for the rest of you, you know that on occasion, I really do enjoy featuring educators on the program, number one, because I'm the offspring of an educator, and number two, I'm well aware that were it not for a number of supportive teachers and support staff members in my surroundings, I would not have been half as successful as I was fortunate to be through uh, my schooling, and we definitely want to give those folks the honor and recognition that they so rightfully deserve. Today, we're spotlighting Donna Jo Bug, a counselor from Henderson County's Spotsville Elementary School, and speaking of my mom, she taught under the same roof with Donna Jo for a little while at Dixon Elementary back when they were both teaching in Webster County. They uh, carpooled together back and forth for a little bit as well. We'll find out more about that momentarily, but uh, we've kept in touch with them off and on through the years, and so I guess you could say that from a distance, I've known Donna Jo Bug for uh, a fairly long time. So it was good to get to talk to her and uh, chat about her career and you know, the aspects of her time spent in elementary school and high school, which have given her the the most enjoyment and gratification, and I know you'll enjoy hearing about them as well. But before we get started, I do want to remind you that if you'd like to nominate that special teacher in your life, which 
I hope you do, because we all have at least one that really meant a great deal to us, and hopefully more. I want to hear about them. Don't just assume that I've heard of them, okay? Let me know about them at bluegrassblabbin at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Let me know why this particular teacher is uh, so special and meaningful to you, and we will do our best to get them on the program, him or her, that is. And we also encourage you to touch base via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. All you got to do is uh, type Blabbing in the Bluegrass in the search, and it'll take you right to us on Facebook. Like and follow the page, please, by all means, if you're not already doing so, because... All of my previous shows are there. You can stay up to date with info on future programs as they are presented, which is typically about once a week, okay? You can make comments, leave messages, and uh, I love hearing from you via that outlet as well. And don't forget, we are now a part of four podcast directories. You can listen and subscribe without paying one thin dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. We are looking to add to that list always, but for now, you can utilize these four podcast directories to stay up to speed with Blabbing in the Bluegrass and join me on a weekly basis because it's not the same and I'm not the same if you're not here. So with that, we've got Donna Joe here in just a few seconds. Last order of business prior to that, however, is this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. We try to do one of these each and every week, and uh, this is no exception, so we'll give you the question now. We will give you the answer in the program's final segment. So we're going back Way, way back. It's the uh, Blabbing in the Bluegrass way back machine. I want to know, when was the University of Kentucky's first basketball game, and what was the score? Again, when was the University of Kentucky's very first ever basketball game? You think about how many they've had and what a rich history that they've enjoyed there in Lexington. When was the very first game, and what was the final score. Get the juices flowing and we will enlighten you in the program's final segment. Good luck. Blabbing in the Bluegrass proudly presents an exceptional educator. Well, right here, right now, we have an exceptional educator who is uh, a seasoned pro. She uh, has enjoyed an extensive career, which includes counseling at the elementary school level, where she's at now, also the high school level, and plenty of traditional classroom instruction as well. More than enough experience to speak from, so she's going to tell us all about it and also offer advice for others who aspire to perhaps follow in a similar career path. So let's welcome the one and only Donna Joe Bug. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to well, be here. We are glad to have you, Donna Joe. And I assume this is your first podcast? It is. Yes. Well, I always enjoy making history with my guests. So <laughs> the first of many, no doubt. But uh, we are uh, stoked to have you along for the ride here. Now, how long have you, uh, how many years have you spent in education at this point? Uh, this is my 22nd year. 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think we can uh, 
I think we can call you a veteran then. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. But uh, anyway, well, first off, Mrs. Bug, mm -hmm. I know that um, your father once served as superintendent of the Webster County School System. Now, other than Mr. Edwards, what was his name? Don Edwards. Don Edwards. Okay. Well, <laughs> your name isn't far off of his, is it? That's right. That, <laughs> yes. Now we know how you got it. Well, but, it is a very interesting story how I got my name. So. <laughs> okay. Well, no, well, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll have you back on here another time and we'll, we'll cover that. But, uh, All right. <laughs> but anyway, for right now, uh, Donna Joe, why don't you talk to me about the ways, uh, he perhaps sparked your interest in teaching and ultimately inspired your career path. Sure. Um, really, as far as I can remember, I was always in the schools. Uh, probably my first memory of being in a school, um, my dad was a principal at Dixon Elementary, which interestingly enough was my first teaching position. Um, and I was very, very small. Um, and he would let us bring my brother and I a uh, big wheel and uh, ride the big wheel through the school when he was there working like on the weekends or after hours and the big wheel uh, and then later when he worked at the board office I can remember going with him and playing office you know at his desk so as long as I can remember I was around um, education and around um, different schools um, and then I always uh, really wanted to be a teacher. I played teacher. Uh, I loved kids from the time I was a small kid. I just loved playing with kids. I loved babysitting. Um, and so I knew that I was very passionate about kids and knew that I would want to do something um, where I would have an impact and in their life. And um, my, my father was very supportive of that. And he thought it was a great profession for anyone who's passionate about kids. But also, um, he knew that I, you know, desired to be a mother someday. And he always talked about he thought that was a good profession, you know, because you're on the schedule with your with your kids. And, and right. so, uh, yeah, it's just something that I've, I've told my kids who uh, one's already graduated college and one is in college that um, in a way I felt very fortunate that I always knew what I wanted to do because I know a lot of times, um, you know, kids struggle with that, not knowing for sure what direction they want to go. But sure. um, I pretty much always knew that's that's the direction I was going to go is is in education. It was never in doubt. Now, your son is the one that's out, correct? He's the, the yes. one in Lexington. Yes. And um What's he doing these days? Yes. Well, besides just having ACL surgery, you told yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, he graduated from UK in 2020. Sure. Uh, and he actually graduated with a history degree. Um, and he someday has talked about maybe wanting to teach. He's more interested in teaching um, on, the, on the college level. Um, but um, he actually, right before he graduated, which... Both of my kids graduated in 2020, one college and one high school. So, you know, it oh, was so 2020 a, was a big year. So it was very strange because neither one of them got to, you know, have a normal graduation or anything like that. But Yeah, they didn't get to actually walk the stage, did they? No, but he was very fortunate that he did um, find a job before he actually had graduated from UK. Um, 
and it was a job in logistics. And he's actually now, right now, working for um, Enterprise. Uh, and he's in their uh, management and training program. So, oh, gotcha. And, and then your um, your other daughter Brooke is yeah. at Western, right? No, she's at UK too. Okay, all right, all right. I'm getting she's at UK. So both of my kids are in Lexington, and um, well, that makes it easy. At least they're both in the same spot. <laughs> yes, it does. And she was going to go her freshman year, but because of the pandemic, she decided to stay home. So she went to our community college her first year, and now she's a sophomore. So she did go away to Lexington this year, and she's at UK. I got you. Now she wanted to be a teacher like her mama. Well, yes, believe it or not. Uh, she did not start in that path. She was actually up until this semester, she was a nursing major. Um, uh -huh. and she was going to be a nurse. Um, but she did, um, change her mind, um, some halfway through the semester last semester and met with an advisor and um, last year when she did stay home um, and go to the community college she worked um, in the after-school program at Holy Name and with kids uh, pre-k through eighth grade and um, she really enjoyed that and she learned a lot and um, she actually changed her major this semester to elementary ed so how about that so looks like we'll probably have another teacher in the family telling you it looks like another mrs bug <laughs> well kudos to to brooke and then what's your son's name wes Wes. Okay. So shout out to Brooke and Wes. We yeah. want to, <laughs> you know, give them some acknowledgement here. But anyway, Donna, in addition to your dad, you were undoubtedly influenced by uh, former teachers of yours who had a profound impact on your life. So if you would tell me about some of your favorite childhood teachers and explain what made them so special to you. Sure. Um, my favorite teacher, I, I went to Seabury Elementary is where I went to school. Kindergarten, Very cool. Grade. Mm -hmm. And my favorite teacher was my fourth grade teacher, um, Mrs. Forker. Um, I believe she was my favorite teacher because I always felt loved by her. Um, she was so kind and so patient. Um, never heard her raise her voice. Um, but she had high expectations and you didn't want to disappoint her. Um, she would read to us every day after recess. She had a rocking chair with a rug and we would sit down by her feet and she would read from a uh, little house on the prairie books. Um, now there's a blast from the past. Yes, yes, it, it is. And, uh, yeah, she, she was my favorite teacher. Mrs. Forker. <laughs> That's cool stuff. Now, uh, give us an overview of your college education. You told me that uh, you did your undergrad at Murray and then later did grad school stuff at Western. So tell us about your education and uh, your experiences uh, in college yes. and explain how these equipped you to excel as an educator, Donna Joe. Uh, yes, my freshman year, I went to, um, also went to Henderson Community College um, for my first year. I was um, young. I was 17 years old when I graduated from high school and when I started college. Um, and um, my mom was uh, 
already had we had been diagnosed with a terminal illness so I really wasn't ready to go away my first year of college so I stayed at home and went to the community college Um, and then my sophomore year I did transfer to Murray State and I studied elementary ed um, there and graduated in um, um, May of 1992 um, from Murray State University and um, was lucky enough to get, you know, my job, my first job that August of 1992 at Dixon Elementary. And um, they were still doing K-TIP then, which they're no longer doing K-TIP or not the same way anyway. Okay. What does that stand for? Kentucky testing, something like that? It was, uh, it was the teacher, um, I, remember what I don't mean to put you on the spot no, here. No, that's okay. Uh, it was a teacher preparation, you know, program. It was like, you know, you had a mentor and you would have to meet so many hours a week with that person. And it was just kind of your person that would help you through that first year. You know, if you had questions or, you know, you were needing some help with um, whatever it was, discipline or curriculum or whatever those issues would be. Sure. Um, but yeah. I did want to go ahead and start right away working on my master's in rank one. So I did that very, very quickly, um, started taking classes. And I did that through Western Kentucky University. My got, alma mater. Yeah. I got my master's in elementary counseling and I got my rank one in secondary counseling. Um, that way I was certified K through 12. Uh, since counseling jobs don't come open that very, you know, very often, I wanted to be certified in all areas, uh, depending on what would become available. I see. Um, so you you pretty much knew right away that you wanted to counsel at some point. <laughs> yes, my dad, uh, which um, he encouraged me. Um, used to again this is another change there's been a lot of changes in the years that I've been an educator you had to get your master's um within or you had to at least start working on it the first five years right start working on it um he encouraged me to get it in something other than just education like a specialty area sure Uh, because if you're going to work that long or teach that long you might, you might not want to be in the classroom all 27 years, you know, you might want to do something else. A little change uh, of pace. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and so that was, in looking at different things, um, that was the one that I felt like um, I was pulled to, and felt like it was a good fit for me. Did you go to Western once or twice a week there for a while? Um, I only had to go periodically. The way that they did it at that time was Owensboro had a campus. uh, Oh, yeah, that's campus location. (laughs) And I would go there. um, And then there was they there was always a few classes that um, required you to go on campus because they didn't want you to graduate with a degree where you never set foot on their campus. So exactly (laughs) in both my master's and my rank one, there were some classes um, that 
were in Bowling Green. And those were usually weekend classes. So you would go on Friday night and it was all day Saturday. And you would do that for, you know, several weekends. Ah, gotcha. So you just spent a day or two down there when you, when you had to. Mom did her Western stuff, most of it in Owensboro too. So that was a, (laughs) that was a breeding ground for a lot of teachers back in the day. Yes, it was. (laughs) I did most of mine, yes, either weekend classes or uh, in the summertime. Um, So, you know, I wasn't, I I didn't want to do do a lot of night classes when (laughs) school was going on and I was teaching. So yeah, and you were uh, you were grading quite a bit at night too. Anyway, no doubt. Exactly. So yes. that was that was enough. Yes. But anyway, Donna Joe, uh, take me back if you would to your very first job in the field of education, which, as you said, was at the Mighty Dixon Elementary School. What were your most enjoyable aspects of uh, this uh, first position? And on the other hand. Uh, what were the biggest challenges you faced in your initial role as a young teacher? Well, yes. Yeah, so my very first teaching position, um, like I said earlier, I was very young. I was 21 years old. Um, so it was very, um, it was very exciting to go back to um, teach where I didn't go to elementary school at Dixon, but back at Webster County and um just seeing a lot of people that I knew, meeting meeting people that knew people as well. Um, but I would say the most challenging as a first year teacher, I think, is is the discipline. Um, right. That is something that um, you do take, you know, one or two courses in your preparation to becoming a teacher. But until you're actually in the classroom. Um, you know, you really don't know how you're going to handle certain situations. Um, and I think that that was my only year to be Miss Edwards. So that was the only year I wasn't married. Um, and also, I didn't have a parent's perspective. You know, like I said, I was single, just out of college, not a parent myself yet. And um, I think now as a parent and a educator, um, I am able to look at their perspective as far as all kinds of issues, whether it's discipline, whether it's homework, um, how much you know time should be used on that at home and things like that. Um, yeah, time management. Very, yeah, yeah, but I had a very good I had a very good experience my uh, my first year there, um, you know, and I still, you know, stay in contact with some of those kids now, you know, when I think back, I was only like 11 years older than they were, you know, they were in fourth grade, Sure. (laughs) you know, now uh, they're adults and have, you know, have their own families. And um, so it's, I have a very, I feel a very big connection, you know, with those first (laughs) that I had there at Dixon I felt like I was I was growing and learning along with um, along with my students yeah you were in a sense a student yourself just like they were but uh, yes also it's worth mentioning that uh, during your time at Dixon Elementary you are under the same roof as Miss Susan Moore and I know that built a lot of character 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes, I had the pleasure of uh, riding since I lived in Henderson and uh, what the first year, like I said, the first year I lived at home, but after that I got married and moved to Henderson and I was still dry, uh, teaching in Dixon. So uh, thankfully I um, got paired up with your mom and with Rick Stinson and Peggy Duncan and yeah. we, did a, we did a little carpool and we we definitely had fun and made the best of those, you know, 45 minutes uh, drive that we had every morning and then back again in the afternoon. Yeah, 41A was fun, thanks to the four of you together. <laughs> yes, and, it uh, made it a lot better that we could go together. How long were you at, the, how long were you at Dixon? Two and a half years. Two and a half years, okay. So, so halfway through your third year of teaching, you, uh, left and is that when you went to holy name here in henderson no um from from there so after i got married and moved to henderson you know i did want to try to find something in henderson oh yeah for uh, convenience sake yes a position became available at uh, at christmas time at central elementary which there is no longer a central elementary but at yeah, central time, academy now <laughs> yes but it was just a regular elementary school in Henderson um, K through five and they had a kindergarten position available which is really what I wanted to teach anyway I love teaching fourth grade but in my mind I always wanted to be a kindergarten teacher so um, I uh, it was hard to leave in the middle of the year but uh, I did I started in uh, so that January I started at Central Elementary teaching kindergarten so that's when I made my move from uh, Webster County to teaching in Henderson County. I see so you taught uh, fourth grade in Dixon then kindergarten at Central now at Holy Name was that um, I know that goes up to eighth grade so uh, did you teach elementary grades and uh, well I guess you did because you were an elementary ed major well, what grades well, back to Central for a minute, because I didn't just teach kindergarten there. Um, I also, that's, I did get my first counseling job while I was at Central. So I taught, oh, gotcha. um, I taught kindergarten for um, a year and a half, or let's see, no, two years. Two years. And then my third year there, I um, got a counseling job. And um, so I was the counselor at uh, central and um, then I got a job as a counselor at the high school so after I've been at central for a year as a counselor then a job we had a couple of retired uh, or people retired from counseling at the high school and that doesn't happen very often so no. I actually made the switch to um, to the high school and that's, Wes was the baby then. He was, um, he turned a year old while I was at the high school. And um, he had some medical problems. And we decided um, at the end of that school year that I needed to stay home with him um, yeah. for a few years. You so had your I priorities stayed, in line. <laughs> yeah, so I stayed home um, for about seven years and then when my youngest Brooke started kindergarten at Holy Name 
that's when I started teaching at Holy Name. I gotcha. So I had I had your stops backwards. So you you went to yes. the high school before Holy Name. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so at Holy Name, I taught pre-K for nine years. Gotcha. And I taught fifth grade for one year. And then that's when um, after that's when I then started um, counseling at Spotsville. My daughter um, was not at Holy Name anymore. So she had moved on to the high school. And uh, that's when I decided it was a good time to make the transition back to the public school system. I gotcha. And that's how we land at Spotsville where you are now. Right. So <laughs> yeah, well, you, you haven't missed out on too many age groups, have you, Donna Joe? No, I have not. <laughs> and this is my fifth year at Spotsville. <laughs> fifth year at Spotsville. And uh, <laughs> I know uh, I know they're glad to have you. Now, regardless of our chosen career path, Donna Joe, we should all seek out experienced professionals in the field for frequent advice and even an occasional shoulder to cry on. So if you would, uh, you touched on this briefly earlier, but let's expand on it more and uh, talk to me about the mentors in your surroundings and the manner in which they helped you to become acclimated to the teaching world. Yeah. Um, well, my first mentor was my dad. Um, and like I said, he only, uh, he died a couple of months after I started teaching, but, um, you know, we had lots of, of talks and things um, all through um, while I was in college and preparing to be a teacher. Sure. And even those first couple of months um, that he still was um, living, I was living at home, you know, so I was home with him um, every day that first year. And one of the things that I remember talking about crying was that I had a student uh, bring in some of their most prized possessions and they wanted to give it to me in their, Aww. you know, wanted to give it to me. It was just a present and it was their belongings though, their um, personal belongings that they had wrapped up and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should accept them or if I should, you know, have her take them back. And I remember coming home and telling my dad about it. And um, it was like a little jewelry box. And um, and I knew she didn't have a lot. And I just thought, oh, I just hate to take some of her toys and some of her things. And my dad said, well, you know, you would hurt her feelings if you didn't accept it. And yep. she, you know, just hang on to it. And if she decides she wants them back, then you can give them back to her. But I can remember him telling me that. Um, oh, that's and, priceless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was probably my first time to go home with a story where I was, you know, tearful and wasn't sure how I should handle it. Um and then as I moved on to, as I mentioned, I moved on to Central Elementary, um, Diane Embry, she was um, the principal there. Oh, yeah. um, and she was a big mentor to me. Um, she was a principal that thought outside of the box. Um, and she was, um, she was tough. She had high expectations. Um but she believed in me and she always made me, if there was even something that I felt like I wasn't sure I could do it. She 
um, had a way to motivate me and make me feel like I could do it. Um, and that school was so different from where I was coming from in Dixon. It was for Henderson, an inner city school that was 96% reduced or free lunch. Yeah, um, a bit different environment there for sure. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and so um, it was it was a very good experience for me um, just to um, be in a... Um, being a rural school first and then being more like a city school. And um, she was just, she was a good mentor for me. And she continued to be as I moved on to other places, you know, she's one that I would always, you know, put on my resume to, um, you know, as a reference. And um, I yeah, just, awesome. <laughs> she's somebody you stayed in touch with. I did. And I still do. Um, and then as I was going through my counseling program, our counselor at Central was Joe Swanson. Oh, my former principal at East Heights. She was Joe yeah. Bruner at the time. Yeah, exactly. She was Joe Bruner when I was there. She was my mentor for counseling. And I learned so much from her, just watching her and observing her. Um, she was a great mentor for me uh, for counseling. Um, and then, um, you know, you continue to learn from people. So another one for me actually would be my son's kindergarten teacher. I wasn't teaching at the time. I was being a stay-at-home mom. Right. But um, his kindergarten teacher was Beth Royster. Beth and Royster. She, she's retired now. Um, but she had a, had a wonderful way of staying connected to her former students. And so her outreach to um, students and families were just made such an impression on me. You were definitely in good hands in those early I was, years, weren't I was. you? I've been very blessed with, yes, lots of good mentors through the Absolutely. years. Absolutely. I'll say so. Now, uh, no doubt, Donna Joe, you were at least somewhat partial to each and every subject that you taught before uh, exiting the classroom. I know you eventually came back for a few years at Holy Name, but if you had to choose a favorite subject of all those you taught uh -huh. at the elementary school level, which one would it be and why? Well, you know, with elementary, you teach all the subjects. Oh, yeah. So um, as far as grade-wise, I still, I still lean toward my pre-K and kindergarten. Um, um, oh, so that's your favorite age group? Uh-huh. But gotcha. now when I taught, um, and when I taught fourth grade, I taught all the subjects. But when I taught fifth grade at Holy Name, uh, we did split it up some, and I taught um, uh, the reading and language arts and social studies, and another fifth grade teacher taught the math and the science. So I definitely lean toward the reading and language arts. Um, I enjoy that a lot more than I do the math and science. Well, I, I can I can sort of relate to you on that. <laughs> I did the math I needed to, did the science I needed to, but never fell in love with it or anything so there you, go. Yes. <laughs> you know that's of course after spending some years at Dixon and Central um, you uh, ultimately became a guidance counselor first at the high school and then at Spotsville Elementary where of course you are now but um, what inspired you to um, ultimately pursue that avenue I know you were interested in it um, initially what made the uh, 
that the right time in your mind to to go for it when the high school position opened? Well, um, again, it, I, it was my dad who actually inspired me to want to get into counseling. Um, his um, his master's in rank one was not in counseling. He went, you know, went into administration. Um, and I didn't have any desire to do that. Um, you didn't want to be a superintendent. <laughs> I, no, I did not. Or a principal. But he was not, he did not get his training in counseling, but he was a natural born counselor. People brought their kids to him. Um all ages, uh, but especially adolescents and that high school age, teenage years, when it can be really difficult. He had a way with um, kids that he could talk to them. And um, he just had a natural knack for that. And I saw that. Um, I saw that um, at church. I saw that at home. Um, and my grandmother says that that's where I got it from. She sees that in me. She sees that I got that from my dad. Like father, so, like daughter. Yeah, so I do. I feel like that was something that is just the empathy um, and the active listening. Um, I feel like it's just something that is just a part of who I am. And I, I just feel like it's something that comes natural. Sure, and like you said, you know, counseling positions at the high school just don't pop up. They don't pop up every time the wind changes direction, do no. they? No, and I was of the mind that as many different experiences that I could get, it could only help me. It could only help me learn and be better at whatever position that I was at at the time. Um, so I just used those opportunities to you know, to learn and to be able to help or help that many more people or impact that many more people. Sure. Absolutely. Now, uh, how long were you at the high school exactly? I was at, I think I was only there one year. Yeah. I was only okay, there. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> it was short, uh, but very sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why though, uh, make sure I say this was because of my son, his illness. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he was so, having some problems and <laughs> mm -hmm. it was a very difficult year. I, like I said, he turned a year old, um, in October, you know, I started, started that job like in July. Right. Uh, and so I did, um, I did finish that. I'm pretty sure it was a year sure it was so long you, you ago. You didn't know that uh, you didn't know math was going to be a part of this podcast appearance. No, did I didn't. I should have written all that out. I should have written all that out. That's for sure. No. Yeah, but no, I wasn't. I was, yeah, I just felt like that at the end of that school year, that was, I needed to be home for a few years and Sure. So, and I don't That's, regret that at all. I could already be retired if I would have gone straight through, but I don't regret uh, my decision to stay home with them until my youngest started kindergarten. It was, it oh, was yeah. a good experience as well. You, you were where you needed to be and so was your heart. That's so, right. <laughs> and that all, that all worked out for the best for everybody. Now, just out of curiosity in the uh, years that you've not been in the classroom, uh, as a guidance counselor, which aspects of traditional instruction 
have you missed most of all? Um, I would probably say the closeness of having your own classroom or your own homeroom. Uh, when you have your own classroom, you know, and you spend every day with those 24, 25 students, uh, you know, you, you develop a very close relationship with those kids and, you know, their families too. Um, as a guidance counselor, I get, you know, it's wonderful. I get to know all the kids, you know, but I, but on a different level. Um, so I would say that, you know, you just, it's, it's something special having that homeroom or that, you know, classroom that you're with them for six hours, you know, five days a week. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, (laughs) you, uh, you know, you get to know more kiddos as a guidance counselor, but you just don't get to spend as much time with them one-on-one do you right exactly yeah (laughs) so so there's a difference but now on the flip side Donna Joe, based Uh on your experience what are the biggest perks of being a guidance counselor as opposed to an educator in the classroom well I get to view the school as a whole and I get to know all the students so a lot of times you know teachers are like because at Spotsville now we have um we have almost 500 students. So it's a big elementary school. And um, I do really, really, really try my best to know every single kid's name. And um, every once in a while, I do mess up and I might call them their brother or their sister's name or um, get it wrong. and, And I have to remind them that, you know, I'm trying to remember 500 you know, 500 names. Well, you know, Donna Joe, I, I screwed up once back in 1996. So, <laughs> you know, we're all yeah. entitled to one or two. There you so. go. So, uh, but I do, um, I do enjoy that. I do know, like, I know for sure if I see a new face or a new name, you know, they're not a Spotsville kid. Like, oh, when did this student move in? Because I haven't met them. So I do enjoy you know, knowing every single kid at, that goes to our school, and sure. I get to I get to view the school as a whole, not just um, in when you're a classroom teacher. You know, your focus is on your class, which is where it's supposed to be. Um, but I can see how you know different things affect the whole school, um, and also I can concentrate on how my students are doing socially and emotionally without the pressure of thinking, oh, I don't have time for that because I have to make sure that I do this part of the curriculum or they have to get their work done first. Then I can ask them, you know, what's wrong or they seem down today. You know, I get to, I get to concentrate on that social emotional part, which is, you know, very important as well. You don't have to worry about getting test scores where they need to be. Right. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's definitely a positive. Yes. Now, um, of course, after uh, being a guidance counselor um, at County High and uh, going back to, to Holy Name for your stint there, you eventually assumed a uh, guidance counseling position at uh, your current location, Spotsville Elementary. So describe, if you would, Donna Joe, the most notable differences between your counseling duties at the high school and those at the elementary level? 
Well, when I was at the high school, it was a very lot, like a very long time ago. Um, so it was in 1998, 99. So shortly before uh, I got there, you didn't want to have yeah. to deal with me, did you? No, no. I'm so it's, it's changed a lot. But when I was there, um, you know, I primarily um, worked on um, scheduling, you know, class schedules for students, changing their schedule, uh-huh. uh, helping with the enrollment process um, when students enrolled into our school, um, helping them with post-secondary plans, writing letters of recommendation, helping them with scholarships, um, talking to them about what their plans are. If it's not college, then technical schools or uh, job placement. Um, and I did some individual and group counseling, but not to the degree that I feel like that they do today. Um, I do feel like that, you know, that does go on now at the high school, uh, because there's been a big shift. Um, we're actually called school counselors and not guidance counselors any longer. Um, I guess I'm old school then. (laughs) No, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a big change and it's still, the change is still coming um, to try to get away from some of the office duties that counselors have done in the past and really let them concentrate on the training that they've had for um, mental health and for uh, counseling. So um, I did some individual back then, um, and I did do some group counseling and had some different groups going on, but but I know there's a lot more of that going on now today. Um, now, in the elementary, um, I teach social-emotional curriculum, K through five, so I'm in the classroom every day. Sure. Uh, being at the elementary school. Um, one week, I concentrate on primary, K through two and then um the next week i concentrate on intermediate and go into all the third through fifth grade rooms okay so you go to each class every other week yes i do yes um and so um on top of that i also do lots of individual counseling um if it's more of a long-term counseling um situation then i make referrals out um i also do a lot of behavior supports um, for teachers and um, help out with um, those kinds of issues. And, and basically I'm there to support um, the teachers and the students and their families. There you go. So it's more of a personal, and and, and like you said, at the high school, it's, uh, well, it's personal there too, but it's, it's a lot more of helping the, the kiddos navigate because there's a bunch of other options now besides college. (laughs) <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> that people can pursue so it's important to have somebody in a counseling role to sort of help, help them uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> decide what's best for them now uh, Donna Joe, when thinking back on your uh, many achievements throughout your rewarding career which ones would you say have given you the greatest sense of pride and what makes these so meaningful and gratifying Well, I would say um, just watching my students grow up and achieve their goals. So like you said, you you know, I think back and I started teaching in 1992 and now we're in 2022. So that's a long time. I have students um, 
that are doctors, nurses, principals, teachers, lawyers. I've been in the hospital and have had former students take care of me. Um, I go anywhere and I have students come up to me and now they're parents themselves and they recognize me and they tell their children, this was my kindergarten teacher or this was my fourth grade teacher. Um, and I currently have several students at Spotsville that um, I was their parents teacher. So um, How about that? <laughs> it's a very special feeling and it is a very gratifying um, feeling, you know, to see um, these students grow up to be, you know, successful adults. Yeah. We can now say that you've taught multiple generations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes me feel old. <laughs> well, we never said you were old, Donna Jo, but it is. But I just is, always tell people I did start very, very young. Uh, yes. <laughs> you, were chi- you were a child prodigy. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, it is, you know, it is nice to know that, you know, people come up to you, tell you what they're doing now and, and to know that you uh, had a, a small hand in that. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yes. It's a very good feeling. Yes. Very <laughs> very satisfying feeling. Absolutely. My mom says the same thing. Now, for those in our audience, Donna Joe, who serve in a similar capacity to you or perhaps wish to do so in the future, tell us what you believe to be the most essential attributes of a commendable guidance counselor or school counselor, I guess yeah. as it's called these days. Well, um, First of all, first and foremost, as you you learn in your training, uh, confidentiality. So, you know, confidentiality is very, very important as a school counselor. And that goes for, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a teacher that's coming to you with a problem, a student, a a family member, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to be able to be trustworthy that you're going to keep that information confidential. Yeah, with seven uh, one-on-one stays in a one-on-one. <laughs> right, exactly. And, um, but then after that, I'm going to say um, having positive relationships with, with your students and with the parents and with the faculty. Um, I think those relationships are key to, first of all, people feeling comfortable coming to you when they do need, um, when they do need help or some kind of uh, guidance, um, show that you are available to them, you know, so I try to never close my door unless, you know, I'm in there with a private conversation. Um, other than that, I try to keep my door open. So, and, and I make sure I spend my first few times I go into the classroom every year, reminding students, you know, what my job is, what I'm there for, and that, I'm there for them and they can come to me. And I try to do that same thing when I know, uh, you know, a parent is struggling at home as well uh, with any, with some type, some type of problem that they can also reach out. And if there's some way that I can help, then, you know, then I will. There you go. So you have an open door policy, unless you're meeting with an individual or group (laughs) on a profit basis. So you're, you're pretty accessible, I'd say. And then uh, I know what being a good listener is, is critical too, right? Oh, yes. Yes. You have to be a good, have to be a good listener. And sometimes that's all really someone needs is just someone to, 
listen to them. Yeah, just hear them out so you can mm-hmm. sort of get a a sense of where they're coming from, sort of put yourself in their shoes, if you will. Donna Joe, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I know our listeners have been quite enlightened. Now, last but not least, what would be your best advice for individuals aspiring to make a difference, uh, not just in guidance counseling, but in the field of education in general? I would tell um, anyone who is interested um, to do it because you love it. You know, if you're passionate about it, you feel like that's what you want to do. Don't let someone try to talk you out of it. Uh, Don't get hung up on the salary or the negativity because there is a lot of negativity out there toward um, teachers and education right now. And a lot of times when you say, you know, you're an educator or you, or someone tells you they're going into education, I've heard from many young people that said that people try to talk them out of it. And, um, you know, that's a shame because um, we need, we need good teachers. We need people that are passionate about kids and about education. And, you know, you don't go into it um, because you're going to make a million dollars. You go into it because you are going to make a good living. And if it makes you happy, then that's more important than being a millionaire. So um, I think you, you can make a good living and if it makes you happy and it brings you joy, that's so much more important than having a job that you can make more money doing, but you're not happy. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people out there who are uh, rolling in the dough and yet very miserable. So exactly. So uh, many times, you know, my husband has told me that, that, you know, you could do something else and you could make a lot more money with the education that you have. But I always tell him, but I love what I do. You know, it brings me joy. It brings me happiness. Um, yep. <laughs> and I, and I think that that's important. And when I, one of the things that I teach my students is we talk about uh, careers. We talk about um, jobs. Um, and I tell them the same thing, that a career is something that you're going to do for a long time. And so it's important that you're passionate about it and you love what you're doing because your your life will be so much more fulfilled if you're doing something that, you know, you enjoy doing. Oh, yeah, certainly. So you got to go into it for the right reasons and uh, listen to your heart, don't you? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> That's yes. what it's all about. Well, uh, Mrs. Bug, I have sure enjoyed it. I hope you've had fun on your podcast debut. I have. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you a lot. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. And uh, next time around, you can tell me the uh, fascinating story behind how you got your name. <laughs> all righty. Sounds good. Thank all right, Donna Joe Bug, you rock. All right, bye-bye. Donna Joe Bug, more than worthy of our exceptional educator recognition. And I got to tell you, truer words were never, ever spoken because while it's important to seek out advice from others in your surroundings who you may know and trust, you can't live your life for them. You've got to go with your gut and do what's best for yourself. That's the only way that you can really live life to the fullest, make the most of it, and truly enjoy it. So thanks so much 
Donna Joe, for taking time out of your insanely busy schedule to come on here and teach us a little something, just like you teach those little munchkins something on a daily basis there at Spotsville Elementary School. And as I mentioned, your nominations are welcome and appreciated via email, bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. Let me know about that teacher or those teachers who mean the world to you or meant the world to you back when you were in school. I will do my best to touch base with them and feature them on the Exceptional Educator Spotlights in the weeks and months and hopefully years to come here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Also, feel free to use that very same email address for other questions, comments, suggestions for guests slash topics as long as they are uh, connected to Kentucky I am open-minded to them so shoot me that email I will be more than delighted to receive it you can bet your bottom dollar on that so before we wrap this thing up and get ready for next week's show which good lord willing and the creek don't rise will come out on February 16th next Wednesday I do have the long-awaited answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, and we celebrate Kentucky basketball, a subject that a fair amount of us, myself included, are pretty partial to, even though I went to Western. I wanted to know, when was the University of Kentucky's very first basketball game, and what was the final score? And your answer. It took place on February 18th, 1903. In fact, it's sort of timely that uh, we featured this in our Bluegrass Brain Buster because uh, that would be next week. February the 18th would be not this coming Friday, but next Friday. So the University of Kentucky played its very first basketball game against, who was it? The Lexington YMCA, believe it or not. UK played, the actually it was called uh, State College back then, but they played against the Lexington YMCA, and Kentucky squeaked out an 11-10 victory over the Lexington Y. 11-10, one measly point in a very low-scoring basketball game back in 1903, and the Wildcats finished that season with a record of 1-2. Yes, it was a very short season, and apparently that game against the Y is the only game the Cats won. They lost their other two, but (laughs) at least they started in a winning fashion with a final score of 11-10 back on February 18th, 1903, squeaked out that one-point victory over the Lexington YMCA. Another Bluegrass Brain Buster is headed your way next week. Also, remember to hit me up via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. Like and follow the page. If you're not doing so yet, you can enjoy all of my previous shows. Stay up to date with the future plans for upcoming shows. Make comments, leave messages, and access Blabbing in the Bluegrass absolutely free via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So... Until we meet again right back here next week, you know what I want you to do. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. 
With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.